Hello everyone, I am Matt Williamson coming after you coming at you here a day removed from tough loss, but not blown away by it from an unexpected standpoint. Frankly, I think Jacksonville's really good. But um yesterday I blamed KZ for the ATN touchdown catch. I'm still not sure on that. I just want to start there. That might have been blown man-to-man assignment for Porter. It might have been cover two where Porter passes it off to KZ. It might have been KZ just taking the wrong angle. I'm still not certain. I only watched the play twice or whatever, but I, I called out KZ, but maybe it's on the rookie. I mean, maybe that'll come out later in the week and know exactly what the coverage assignment is. Blown coverages are one of the hardest things to detect because – Often one guy blows a coverage and then the other guy tries to make up for it and doesn't do what they were supposed to do. And then you watch the coverage and you're like, what was the call here? So whatever. And again, I haven't watched the all 22 of it. Anyway, I don't want to start there. But that was the most important play of the game. I mean, we've talked a lot about scoring being down. Boy, does that, you know, reflect on Steeler games. But if you can get an explosive play like that, it's a game changer now. They're just harder to come by. They're scarce. So I'm p- going to play a little game here, and then we're going to talk more about this game, of course. But what if, and hang with me here a second, let's pretend, and I don't think this is crazy to think about, what if Deontay Johnson catches the first pass of the game? Certainly should have. You knew it was coming. You schemed it up and practiced it all week, and I understand it was raining and the pass wasn't perfect. It's a play you should make. And boy, would that have changed. Maybe, maybe. I mean, we're on butterflying effect here to no end. Let's pretend if, if Johnson catches that first pass of the game, how much does that drive change? How much does the script of the game go from there? None of us know that. But that's a play that should be made. If Siamalu isn't called for that ridiculous penalty, by the way, on the field goal at the end of the half, that much I know, even if Johnson drops the first pass, Johnson is not called for offsides for being a guard on field goal that he's done 8,000 times. At a minimum, you have three more points going into the, the half. If he isn't called for that ridiculous penalty. Okay, these are two things I don't think are crazy. It's not, if the Steelers drafted Pat Mahomes back then, you know, you know, these are not crazy things. And last if, if they don't blow that coverage against ATN that we just discussed. That was a blown coverage. That wasn't ATN just being better than you and Randy Mossing you. It was a blown coverage. It was a gift you gave the Jags that they took and ran with, literally. So those three ifs. The Steelers win this game? I'm not saying they do or don't. I tend to think the answer is still no. Like those were three crucial games that to be kind didn't go your way or you screwed up or you got kind of shafted on the, the the flag, you know, with on the on the penalty. If, 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 those three ifs, if they don't go the way they go, 
I think you can make a strong argument that the Steelers end up winning that game in some way, shape, or form. I know that's not how the thing works. This all works. But those ifs, when you have Trevor Lawrence, don't matter. Those ifs do matter now to the Steelers. And it's not that cut and dry. You know, the Niners lost yesterday. The Chiefs lost. If Pat Mahomes wasn't sick yesterday, would they have lost? I get that stuff. But when you lose a narrow game to a superior opponent, I don't think the superior opponent with the star quarterback is saying if, you know what I mean, on a five-game winning streak. And to me, that's kind of just sums up the difference between where these teams are at right now. You know, one of them's a contender. One's a middle-of-the-road AFC team trying to figure things out. And that's the best I could say it. All right, I'm going to be back here in a second. We're going to go through a bunch of other stuff I have here. Some snap count stuff, a whole lot of different stuff from the game. All right, and we're going to start with some snap count stuff, just with the offensive skill position players. I don't have the other stuff handy yet. At Jacksonville, oh, I'm sorry, against Jacksonville, of course, Allen Robinson played 46 snaps compared to 12 for Calvin Austin. Austin was targeted twice and carried the ball twice, so he was out there for 12 snaps. He got the ball four out of 12 times. Four out of 12 times he was out there, he got the ball. Robinson was targeted once. So I don't think you need to be a mathematician here to figure out this ratio. He's on the field for 46 snaps, gets the ball thrown his way once, which was a terrible decision and one of the worst plays of the game. Austin's on the field for 12 and gets the ball four times out of 12, one third of his snaps. Now, two things to look at with this. When Austin trots out on the field, does everyone in the world know he's getting the ball? Maybe. I mean, that's going to be a tell or is a tell or... I'm sure the Titans will be alert to it. I just don't want to hear. I don't think, I don't know much saying Austin's great, but he's dangerous. Robinson isn't great and isn't dangerous and is easy to play against. I mean, I said this over and over last year after like the Claypool trade. When you put Gunnar Olszewski on the field, the opponent says, thank you. Well, I think when you put Allen Robinson on the field, the opponent says, thank you. For 46 snaps, out of a possible 67. And I don't want to hear either of these things. Well, he's a much better blocker than Austin. He's a little bit better blocker than Austin. He's not a, he's an okay blocker. Austin doesn't block at all. But he has no big playability, and Austin does. They talked about how hard it is to come up with explosive plays. Boy, well, I don't want to hear either. Yeah, he's a true slot, though. And Pickens and Johnson are outside, and we don't want to necessarily push those guys, including Austin, into slot roles. Figure it out. Deontay can be a demon out of the slot. Pickens has been very effective. As a change of pace, he usually plays like 85% of his to 90% outside. Put Austin in the slot. I know he doesn't block anyone that's near the ball. I really don't care. So there's that. How about this? What's going on with Darnell Washington? Rodney Williams outsnapped Darnell Washington 12 to 10. 
while Connor Hayward paced the tight ends with 49 snaps played. I don't have any problem with Hayward being the new guy. Like, this isn't even a rotation. This isn't, you know, Hayward's the starting tight end. I mean, that's obvious. He played 49 snaps. The other two combined for 22. But is Washington that far down the depth chart now that he's under Rodney Williams? Washington, once again, was not targeted and only ran six routes all day. Only six. Um, Najee and Warren split 35 snaps to 33 for Warren. Fine. Harris had seven carries. Warren had five. Warren had 24 routes run compared to 18 per ha- for Harris. Both running backs were targeted five times. Okay. I, I don't have much to add to that. Frankly, I didn't think they'd run the ball much. They didn't run the ball much. Neither one was particularly effective running the ball. I don't know who's better than the other necessarily, but it's basically becoming closer to a split. First half alone, Deontay caught six of 11 passes for 62 yards, while everyone else combined for four out of five passes for 11 yards. So the first half alone, picket time, he caught six for 62. Everyone else caught four for 11. I just thought that was noteworthy. Um, I'm not going to, you know, here's another thing too. It's pretty clear, and I suspected this watching it live, the Jags rolled a safety over Pickens throughout the game, and Johnson took advantage of that. And to me, I don't necessarily see that as a negative, you know, that it's going to be really hard to take both away, and they're both very different. But, you know, I guess Coach Tomlin said after, we missed a big play down the middle early. We missed another corner route early. We've just got to execute better at the early portions of football games, obviously. So that goes back to the Johnson first play of the game, obviously. I absolutely want Pickens to get the ball more, and you have to manufacture ways to do that. But I see the complementary aspect there. Targets were much more evenly distributed, though, once Trubisky took over. Najee, Warren, Pickens, Hayward all received four targets in the second half, while Johnson only got three. I found that interesting. Um, ATN was a star. I mean, we knew, I told you he's an every down type of guy, but this was even extreme. He missed a little time in the third quarter where he went in the blue tent, and he still played over 88% of Jacksonville's offensive snaps. That's the first time in his career he's gotten that high up. He took all 33 offensive snaps in the first half. Uh, He missed a little over five minutes of game time when he was in the medical tent and Bigsby and Johnson split that time. ATN took all but one snap over the rest of the game when he returned. Had it not been for the injury scare, he probably plays about 95% of Jacksonville's offensive snaps. This was the fourth time in his career with 24 or more carries and the first receiving touchdown of his career. His 70 receiving yards were a career high. Big, big time dude. So the Steelers gave up just 20 points to the Jags in a 20 to 10 loss Sunday, obviously. And they made them earn it. I mean, they did give them that ATN play that was a gift. And frankly, that's the play of the game. They turned the Jags over three times. They sacked Lawrence three times. And the Jags were 0-3 in the red zone. I think we'd have all taken that on Friday, right? 
you know, the last time I had a podcast before the game, if you told me Jacksonville scored 20 points, turned the ball over three times, were sacked three times, and were 0-3 in the red zone, I would have put a big chunk of bucks on the Steelers winning this game. Last thing I have for you that's broader, and I find this sort of interesting, and it's exactly what the NFL wants. And I mentioned, you know, Kansas City just lost. San Francisco lost. Phillies rolling, you know. But in the AFC, every team has between two and six wins. Steelers have four right in the middle. And between two and six losses. Steelers only have three right in the middle towards the good side. But I find that interesting. There's no seven-win team. There's no one-win team. There's no seven-loss team. You know, everyone's between two and six wins at Halloween. And that, that includes whatever the Raiders do tonight. Meanwhile, the AFC North is the only division in the NFL that doesn't have a team with a losing record. So that's what you're dealing with. I mean, that's the competition. All right, guys, take care. Over and out.